think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Okay, so you know I love good wordplay. And Third Love is crushing their wordplay here. When you have a bra that pinches or slips or just isn't comfortable at all or is comfortable but isn't your style, you've got problems. <laughs> How excited was Third Love when they thought of problems? Well done, Third Love. I see you. When you wear Third Love bras, you've got no problems. They fix the problem of size exclusivity with their famous half cup sizes that revolutionized the industry by giving more options to find a bra that fits. And they fixed the problem of guessing what bra will fit you with their virtual fitting room and other helpful guides. A bra size chart, a bra 101 education section that's basically an FAQ for all your burning questions, and a ton of great reviews from real people. My sister just texted me, 99 problems. But pinching <laughs> isn't one. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Well, hi, sister and wife. Hello. Welcome back to We Can Do Hard Things. We did really hard things on Tuesday. Uh Uh-huh. Talked about some light topics like relapsing and eating disorders and mental illness. And, um, and I felt like it was hard and good. And so, um, we're going to continue that conversation a little bit. Listeners, first of all, please go back and listen to, um, Tuesday's episode where we discussed, um, this hard thing, which is that over the holidays, um, I had a eating disorder relapse. And that's an overly simplified um, description of what happened. So go back and listen if you are not triggered by those things. Um, And then I just wanted to know how you two are doing and feeling about me, about what I revealed and about revealing it, Hmm. like about both. I just want to say, like you so kindly said in the last episode, that if fo- if you are listening and you are triggered by uh, this eating disorder conversations, um, then you should uh, skip this week's 
episode, including today, and come back with us next Tuesday because we're just speaking very candidly here today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are you guys doing? Uh, I mean, whew. listen, it takes me back to the time when we first met and I was really, I was struggling in so many ways. Um, and I think it was the first time that I ever had an interaction with a person that wanted all of my what I would call, not you, all of my problems <laughs> like that, that said, Hey, like this is a part of who you are and I love you because of this. Obviously I don't wish this on anyone. You being my most important favorite person on the planet, but what happens in the whole of our life, the choices we make, and the life that we continue to create together, no matter what those choices are, we promise each other and we have promised each other to always begin again if we begin fall Begin again. Off. That's right. And I think that this was an opportunity for me to continue to prove that that's what we promised each other back then. And you're just, the fact that you want to do this publicly is not surprising because you always promise your your folks, the listener, that you're not perfect, but you will be honest. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the way to freedom because mm-hmm. it's the shame, right, that takes us out of the game. Yeah. I just think that the way that you were so open and honest about this and the way that you want to keep talking about it, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things that we sh- we talked about a lot early on is like, what does this do to your sobriety? What is the meaning behind all of this? And it's interesting to bring up the the word sobriety because I haven't figured that out yet. I, when I think about the kind of slippery, the slow fade that in some ways I can kind of look back now and see over the last couple of years, maybe, I don't know. It's hard to make sense of all of it. When I think like, why didn't I see it more clearly and, and like raise my hand earlier? Um, why did it take getting to the point where I was like throwing up every day to like, I I know better than that, I guess, is what I think. Like, why didn't I get help earlier? And it's interesting because in sobriety, you know, sobriety can mean what sobriety means, whatever the hell it means. It means for each person. Yes. Right. Um, sobriety is a word like God or like joy or like the, if success. It like can only be defined by each person, which is why it's ridiculous when people start to police each other about what sobriety is or what God is or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to me, it's like my sobriety is a way of life, which means I'm not keeping any secrets from myself, mm. right? Which means I'm not actively hurting myself. Mm. Um, so... I think in my mind, I was thinking if I ask for help and admit to myself and other people that my eating is out of control again, then then I have to admit or say that my I've lost my sobriety. 
And there's this weird Mm. sobriety rule that like we're supposed to gather days. Mm -hmm. Like days, how many days you've been sober or how many years you've been sober is, is a badge of honor. That is your achievement in sobriety. It's like your validity. It's your validity. It's your Mm. worth. It's your worth. It's your bank account. In this culture of sobriety, yes. In sobriety culture. So it's like, if I've been sober, which I would say before this, I would say I've been sober for 20 20 years Mm -hmm. since I found out I was pregnant with Chase when I quit all the drinking and the binging and smoking and all of that. I was like, the cost of raising my hand and getting help was going to cost me 20 years. Mm. Like I had to turn in my 20 year token in order to raise my hand and get help. The cost of getting my sobriety back was abandoning all of my sobriety. It was like, it's really it was like giving up my entire bank account yeah. so that I could get help. Mm-hmm. And there's something weird about that. That's you right. know, it's like, it feels like an old way of thinking, like a, like almost like a patriarchal hierarchical way of thinking. Whereas like really our worthy, our success in sobriety can't just be passed. It can't just be a bank account of days. It has to be, but am I living a sober, beautiful day right now? Mm-hmm. And if I'm not, then abandon all of it. Right. Right. Cause it's always about right now and today. And when I think about how weird that is, like I know better than to believe in like validity or worth by numbers or bank accounts or any of that. I think it's deeper than that. I think that each of those numbers, because I actually did it Uh before I admitted anything, I had like 7,400 days or something. I don't know. Remember what it was. It represents, it's as if each of those days is a mile and the mile is the distance between my sober, valid, success self and that dark, weird, sick self. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're not just separating these tokens, these days. In my heart, they represented the distance. Safety. Safety. Mm -hmm. The distance between who I was and who I am now. And the terror of needing help is the terror of saying there was never any distance. Fuck. That's right. That's that. That Jesus. That's the reason oh. between, that is the reason you were listening on last episode. You were listening to that person on their second day sober and you felt jaded. And the reason why when you are on the platform yet again, you, the the thing that makes you jaded and reject and and want to reject the person who's uh, you know seven thousand days away from you is the same thing that gives you so much freedom when you realize like I'm exactly that person I'm exactly mm-hmm. that person every single day every single mm-hmm. day I'm the same exact person all the way through this person and twenty years ago and I think it's the disassociation with that person. That gives us that jaded thing. Oh, I am different from you. Yeah. It's just like wildly blowing my mind. 
I know that I am the same person on some level that I was before, before I got sober. And that there's like this fear, like I, I, of, of losing that sobriety Mm -hmm. because of all of the days that I've put in between me and that it's like, I feel confident that, that that won't happen, but also I have to remember that I am you. I am standing with you on that landing mm-hmm. every and day. And I was that, and I was your friend who was calling you on the second day of recovery. Yes. Like that was me. And that's why that was annoying me so much. <laughs> yes. And it's, you know, it's so humbling. And this is it, it, quite frankly, it's like the most humbling thing, even though this is your story, this is also my story. I hope you don't hear me saying that I'm not saying collecting days of sobriety is bullshit. Mm-mm. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying for me, what I realized was that accumulation was sort of an illusion. Yeah. And also there's some kind of, for me, I need a better system of collecting things that then I have to pay if I need help. That's like that doesn't right. feel like helpful to me because well, all I care about is this day that I'm sober. So I, I want to, and sober meaning that I'm not hurting myself, that I'm not mm-hmm. lying to myself and I'm not hurting myself. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's scary for anybody. And I talked to you about this the first day. It's scary for me as someone who I want, as someone who people trust and look to, like it makes me feel like, well, now they're all going to, think I'm a fraud or that I'm. This is who you've been telling people you are though all along. Yeah. I'm not saying it makes super sense. I'm just saying I love that I am someone who has dealt, who deals with depression and anxiety and eating disorders and, and that people who also suffer from those things can look at me and be like, look, she's doing it. And so it scares me to think that I could be letting those people down. But then I think, but this is what it looks like to be doing it. Be messy and complicated and show up anyway. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. exactly what you've always been doing. With the 2024 games in Paris on the horizon... I've gotten nostalgic about my international career, and when I look back, there are a few things I would have done differently to make sure I made the most of my time abroad. And one of those things was to learn a non-English language more fully. A daunting task, yes, but a much easier one when you consider that Rosetta Stone can get you fast language acquisition through their intuitive research-based dynamic immersion approach. That's why they're the most trusted language learning program and have been for years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Whether it's Dutch, Arabic, or Chinese, don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, We Can Do Hard Things listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash weekend. That's 
50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash we can today. I mean, what is the thing though? Because part of it has to have been a perfect storm, right? You've always been who you are. You've always dealt with this, but something about those days mm-hmm. where you made the first decision or compulsion or couldn't resist anymore taking that first step down the stairs from the landing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. what was it about those? Because I'm not trying to do the thing where I'm like, Mr. Fixer Upper, but like, there are factors that we're kind of holding at bay at all times. We're managing, yeah. we're holding at bay. And then there are some times where we're like, the dam has broken, we can't do it anymore. So can mm-hmm. when you look back at that particular period, like, what is the perfect storm of elements that we're making that the wise, what are the wise? I mean, okay. I, I will talk to you about what they could be mm-hmm. like things we've been talking about, but like, I also know that anybody with this sort of thing knows that <laughs> you just kind of make up narratives about it, mm-hmm. and it and it could be that and it could be all be horse shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. is the answer. I don't know, but I have some ideas of the whys. I mean, I think the first why is that I have a have had a serious eating disorder since I was 10 years old mm-hmm. and that that is a mental illness that goes along with my depression and anxiety and that at times that's going to come up. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the out of control state of the world is hard for everybody. Mm -hmm. And for some people that with mental challenges, you're always trying to find some stable ground. Mm -hmm. And that is how you kind of find yourself Mm -hmm. is you just try to find some, some solid ground. And when that ground is, it's never real. (laughs) But when it's so impossible to pretend it's real. When the illusion like the, of stability is not present. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Then you, it, it becomes hard to find a place to stand. By that more specifically, I just mean the, the breakdown of health and the breakdown of feeling like there are any real leaders and the breakdown of guidance and, you know, schools and, and all of it and trying to be, do any of it with any bit of dignity or hope or stability. Um, I think that trying to deal with an eating disorder and mental illness while being such a public person is tricky. I think in some ways it's made it more beautiful and helpful. And I think in other ways it makes it more challenging. Um, I think that the stuff that's gone on with our family of origin recently with bringing up old patterns from when we were little with our family. um, I think if you, if we needed to look at a perfect storm for why it all came up at the end of the year, um, our, everybody was in town. Mm -hmm. So we were back in our little family of origin dynamic, the elephant elephants in the room with what we had been talking about, but nothing feeling resolved. Mm -hmm. I also have been 
when I think about what I was doing during the mornings of every single one of those days, I was talking in depth to my writing partner for the Untamed show and in trying to get even more honest with talking a lot about being a mentally ill little one, Mm -hmm. about being a sick 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old. And when I think about how I felt after each of those calls, which were like an hour and a half, two hour Zoom calls, um, I felt very tired and sad Mm -hmm. after those. So perhaps that matched with then leaving those meetings and going into the family dynamic where I felt like things were unresolved and then feeling 10 years old again, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it's like, isn't it, it's so hard to like go, even if you're, you have a beautiful family, the family of origin shit is so heavy. And it's like, you can feel like you have so much distance. You have 7,000 days of sobriety. You are a grown up. You are, you have all of your strategies and boundaries and whatever. And then you get back with your family and you feel in good and terrible ways. Like you're a kid again who can't protect themselves or like. Well, everyone plays their roles they've already played. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter, yeah. you know, what you've become or who you are now, the role and the person you are in your family that you've created, everyone just defaults straight back to the role that they've always played in their original family unit. So it's like this ill-fitting, strange Mm -hmm. persona you put on just because that's what, that's how families work is that everyone has their role and you did it for 18 years and you mm-hmm. go back and it's like you walk in the door, put on your suit, put on your, your yes. <laughs> put on your family role. Everyone do their thing. This is why people are all different outside of their family of origin. It's because yes. they, they, they don't have to put on that. That role. You know what really freaked me out, which I haven't even I'm just like on the periphery of this thought. Which was I only thought of this like two nights ago. And I was thinking, isn't this interesting? Like you're, you're feeling that everything was unresolved. The dynamics we've brought up, the, the, whatever, it's too much chaos and it's undefinable and it, nobody can figure it out. So I'll just go back to my role, which then gives everybody in the family their role it's like a whole, is that making any sense? Yeah. Like, like, are don't you worry about recreating it. exactly yes. the coping mechanism that you did before? It's like, I pointed all this stuff out, but that didn't work. So never mind. I'll just be the sick one. I'll be the weak one. I, I don't know. But the difference is, and this is so hard because so much of all we are from our childhood becomes who we are and becomes we're either building on or recovering from or trying to change forever. So that the only difference between an adult and a child is that like you are in your own ecosystem. You have to be responsible for yourself now because you literally are. You couldn't Mm -hmm. be responsible for yourself then because you weren't. Mm -hmm. I think that's a real issue. We could go on and on and on because there's justification for everyone because life has been so hard to continue doing the thing that hurt us with very 
very reasonable and validating reasons to be unhealthy for the rest of our lives. Every Mm -hmm. person has Mm -hmm. a blank check to do that. But like Mm -hmm. at what point, and I'm not trying to say bootstrap, that's the opposite of what I'm saying. I really don't know at what point it becomes our own recreation of those things. Like we are the people our families created until we're not. And like, that has to be like us somehow. Yes. Stepping into that. And that's what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. Like that's my entire life is about that. We've talked about this so much. It's like this house is like the truer, more beautiful world for me. Mm-hmm. Is my family and my house and like the way we do things and the way people treat each other and the way and what we're there, teaching our children. There are no lies. Like it's not perfect for God's sake. Even with me and Craig and like we we don't, you know, I don't think Craig always likes me, but he trusts me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like we, and so, and and that's what I've been doing. Like mm-hmm. building this life that where I can when I see a toxin, when I see something that isn't real enough or true enough, that's it. It's out. And then. It's different with family. And then when our family of yeah. origin comes in and, and when I'm, I'm talking about like people, other people, friends, whoever, yeah. no, fuck you. Bye. Like out. Goodbye. Yeah. This is our place. And, and the family of origin place is the only situation where I don't feel like I can do anything about it. You and I were talking yesterday. We're on this walk. We're like, I just want to be less affected by all of it. Yes. Like the, our dream for ourselves with our families of origin. We're walking. I don't want to be annoyed. It was like by, we were or, aliens. We're yes. like, how do we love our family and let them be who they are? I'm not trying to be affected by it, sister. I'm not trying to like not strap myself by by bootstraps or whatever that saying is. Like I am a person who knows how to forge my life. Like I've been doing it. That's what I do. But it's like a kryptonite to me. Pod squad, we know about you. You, like us, pamper your pups with clothes, fluffy beds, toys all the days, any little thing their goodest hearts desires. Why then would we settle for burnt, smelly pellets in their dog dishes? Maybe you don't. Maybe you go with the farmer's dog like I do for Seamus, and you reap the benefits of giving your dog real, fresh, healthy food. It looks like real food because it is real food. It's made with human-grade kitchens with the same gentle cooking you'd use if you were preparing meals for your family. It's even fun signing up. You answer questions about your dog, like what health issues they might have, how old they are, what breed and personality they have, and more. You're not only getting fresh pre-portioned food, you're getting fresh pre-portioned food for your specific dog. And your dog may just have a newfound respect for their human to get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at www.thefarmersdog.com slash hard things. 
Food made in human-grade kitchens with the same gentle cooking you'd use if you were preparing meals for your family. Maybe more. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at www.thefarmersdog.com slash hard things. What do you feel, Sissy? Like, what are you thinking about all of this? I have so many thoughts. I think we underestimate the degradation of all of our resources and coping mechanisms over the last two years. If your resistance is normally at a nine to the way that life beats the shit out of us and you have gradually and gradually and gradually gone down to a two, something that never would have tipped a nine is going to tip a two. And mm-hmm. I just, I think that a lot of us are dealing with that right now at varying levels. Um, I think the other thought I have is, you know, it's just interesting the kind of pervasive and insidious way that eating disorders show up. Because when you were saying, you know, I can smell a toxin and call it out and sniff it out. Why is the actual eating disorder impervious to that lens? Mm -hmm. Because theoretically, if that were true, like when there's bullshit, I call it out. I do not allow it. Unless it's inside me. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Like theoretically, it could be like, okay, I have the compulsion to do this right now. I know that that is toxic horseshit, but like it doesn't, work for that. I don't know Mm -hmm. the answer. Our desire to live in these truthiest places push us towards the grossest indignities. It's so good. And it's, and it's, it's, it's the, it's the insanity of mental illness. (laughs) Yeah. It's like logic does not permeate. (laughs) Um, it's never been able to to talk me out of depression. It's never been able to talk me out of anxiety. It's never been able to talk my intelligence, which is high, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my wisdom, my judgment, discernment. None of those things have ever permeated depression, anxiety, or eating disorder. Yeah. It's maddening. It's absolutely maddening. Also, I did think of Another thing, this just this morning before we were getting. God, I get so excited when you say I've thought of another thing and also terrified because we haven't talked about it. (laughs) No, but it's it's a good thing, I think. It's like when I think about this self that I felt like I was honoring by letting her speak today with all the weirdness, even if like people think it's weird or call me crazy or whatever, it felt like she was you know, like dusting off her or whatever that's like getting ready to be able to speak. And then I was thinking, when does she ever get to speak anymore? Like the wild, swirly, sparkly, Mm. dark, indigo, purple self. Hmm. And then I was thinking, I'm not writing anymore. Mm. Much. I haven't written for really written for a couple years, mm. a year, so that's interesting. Uh huh. And then I was thinking because that self that I write with, 
is that self. I don't give a fuck if people think it's weird or like, Mm -hmm. that's when she comes out to play and she's like, oh no, this is what's really, well, you're all acting out there. (laughs) This is what she's thinking, right? So, and then I thought, I don't want to write right now. Mm. Words don't, don't feel true enough to me right now. And so I started thinking about art. And this is just like the very beginning of something. But I want to like do something that's artistic, but that is not writing. Mm. I don't know what it is. Is it like. Are we getting a Glenn and Doyle album? Collaging. (laughs) No, no. I'm so sad that I don't know how to sing or make music. Because I I feel like I would be a good musician if I had any talent. I do. But it's something like it's, it's, do you know what it is? It's like the first, it's the first step, the beginner's mind. Ah, like I wouldn't be surprised if I'm, I'm like freaking making a mosaic or like painting. I don't know. I, what about I need poetry? to do something weird. Yeah. Poetry maybe, you know, I've always, yes. I, know. I it's think it's like that- a weird self. Like I, I, I have a weird <laughs> self and I don't feel like my weird self is getting much attention is getting out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if a weird self doesn't get out, the weird self gets in. Gets dark. Like the weird yeah. self mm-hmm. is like you know like Lizzie used to say that she has a self that's like a border collie and if she doesn't give it a job, it just destroys the house. Like if it's not being constructive, it gets destructive. Mm-hmm. And there's something that. there, right? That's that, right. Like like ignore me at your own peril. I invite you to. <laughs> right. I invite you to, and then you find yourself over the toilet. Like maybe like the writing bit when you are in the writing mode, like that's a way of shepherding your own inner border collie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The writing is too heavy for me right now. Like I don't want to do that. It doesn't feel warm to me right now. So I want to do something that feels like honoring of that wild, weird self that's lighter. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's where I am. I haven't figured it out yet. When you said, Sissy, in the last one, because you probably feel if I were my sister right now, I'm thinking all this talk about weird, wild, purpley, swirly selves is great, but you probably like, how the hell are you going to get better? Do you feel worried about like logistics at all? Because Oh, you like, know what me. Are you? Never worried about logistics. <laughs> Do you have a spreadsheet yet for me? I felt... So sad when I found out that all this was going on while we were there. Because, of course, I have this, you know, I know and I'm not looking for you to be like, no, this isn't true. But I know that in the perfect storm of 30 elements that led to this, having two young chaotic kids in your house for two weeks are a further element of that kind of lack of predictability, lack of structure. all of it that like, you know, it's all uh, straw and camels at that point. And so I felt badly about that. And then I also felt like, oh man, I was there and we're supposed to be there for each other. And we're supposed to be like sharing the important things all the time. And And we weren't even talking about any of this. And so what's the point of being there if we can't actually be there for each other? And 
And then I did notice, remember I kept being like a little weird and kept like checking in and being like, what's it? I'm feeling strange, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I wonder if I really was picking up on some like energetic vibe. Of course. I mean, I remember sitting on the couch with you and you being like, are you, is everything okay? And do you remember a total vacancy? Like, I just remember being like, I have no idea. It was mm-hmm. a, it was a couch Cameron and Katie moment. Just being like, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Like everything's fine. Like not even knowing it yeah. was just a get through the moment, get through the moment. I mean, what were we going to do? Have like a deep, I, I, I think it's, that's one way to look at it. And it, all that is true. The other way to look at it is right after that, after mm-hmm. two years of swirly slide fading is when I said I need, I, when I finally landed, mm-hmm. when I nailed the landing, right? Mm-hmm. When I was like, mm-hmm. help, I need help. I need help. I need help. Right. Nailed the landing, arms up, like, mm-hmm. you know, probably not being able to say anything true to during that week mm-hmm. is what allowed me to figure out that I needed to change directions. Yeah. And, and I, in terms of like, what's next, I know that there will have to be one thing I know for sure when you begin again is that after a little while on the landing, you have to start including people who have a more a more of a clue than you do because <laughs> I experts. Think that, I think that's right? a good idea. I yeah. think that's a good idea. So I do want to tell you that I Abby took me to this acupuncturist. Like that, this is the first thing. I was like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not ready to do anything. I'm not ready to go anywhere. I will know when it's time. She's like, will you please just go to this acupuncturist with me? So I walk into this precious acupuncturist and she's like, ask me to write down what my problem areas are. And And you're like, do you have any loose leaf? Sister, I wrote down depression, anxiety, bulimia, eating disorders, mental illness, fatigue, anxiety. Like this was my list. She looks at me. She goes, oh, okay. Well. We have a lot to do together. Then she's amazing. And halfway through the thing, she's like, I'm just really, thank you for, I couldn't even speak. I was still in my, Mm -hmm. I didn't say any words, but she said some really, when you're in on the landing or just about to creep up on step one, anything that anyone says sounds like utter magic to mm-hmm. you for real. Yeah. It, that's kind of like an amazing yeah. part of it. You can know this shit for 20 years and it sounds so fresh and new mm-hmm. and like the exact key you needed to unlock the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think that I am going to find the proper the f- teachers, therapists, the, the teachers proper that I that need. Will... I don't know who they are yet, but and truly, we've moved to a new place, and we don't know. So we're we're doing real, um, real research and trying to find the right people for you. And and we're in LA, so I know for sure as hell that there's a there's lot of, of <laughs> mental health professionals here. Yeah. But I do just want you to know and feel sissy that. I'm not always, I'm not just saying that mosaic making is going to save me. I also know that there will be experts involved and a real path. And let me just say, Sissy, I know 
how you're feeling in some ways. And it's not our fault. It's not our fault that we didn't know. And it's not your fault that you were here. It's not my fault that I was here. Like, I think that that's a really important thing for anybody out there who's dealing with a partner or a friend or a sister or a mother or somebody who's going through something like this. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location. It's the neighborhood. It's so much more. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with state rankings and student-to-teacher ratios. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. So, honey, I do have one question before we end here. Um, I know that you are thinking about, you're on that landing and you're thinking about taking that first step. What are some of the things that you're feeling most nervous about? So we're recording this today. And when the pod squad is hearing it right now, I will have already talked to the kids. I haven't talked to the kids about this yet. Mm. Um, And that is what I am most scared about because I don't want to scare them. Um, So I don't exactly know what I'm going to say, like what words I'm going to say. But I really, really believe in truth. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't just believe in it because it's the right thing or because people should do it or because truth is right and lies are wrong. That's not what I mean. Like I've, I believe in the power of the truth to, to make things better than they've ever been before. Mm. I believe in the truth. Like it's a tool, like it's the best possible tool you can use to build whatever you're trying to build next. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess I feel like I'm willing to, to go through that conversation, which might scare the kids a little bit, knowing that in the long run, it will be what they need to get through their hard times. Mm-hmm. That like, they will never forget what it looks like to believe in the power of beginning again, right? That they will have a model for what it looks like to like be in a place where you really could just keep pretending that you have it all together. And everybody even believes you have it all together. And actually people are even like looking to you as telling them how to have it all together and still be like, nope, what matters is none of that. What matters is not that it looks like I'm okay, but that I actually am okay. Mm. 
So I, I feel scared about that, but I feel more sure about the power of truth than I feel scared mm. about scaring them. That's good. I don't feel nervous about telling them at all. Really? Mm-hmm. You have raised these beautiful children to hear truth. Mm. They will hear your truth and, and you will teach them to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. So doesn't matter what the content is. Because at the end of the day, they're all they're human beings. I think that we worry we're we worry we have to protect them from like all of the swirly, weird humanness that we experience. But we forget that that is what they are. They're and going so if we too. don't reflect it to them, yeah. they will have shame about, about it. They are made up of the same exact stuff we are made up of. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's not so com- when we hide that part of ourselves from them, we're not doing them any favors, right? right. Mm-hmm. You're showing them Just- how to manage their purple swirly instead of trying to convince them you're perfect and you don't have it. Mm-hmm. And you're showing them not that like, truth is this destination and arrival and we spend the rest of our lives just being proud that we've arrived here. You're showing them that truth is the path. Like being honest at every step is the path where you end up having the life that that you can have comfort in and peace in. Mm -hmm. And they're people. They're going to have people, whether it's themselves or their friends mm-hmm. or their partners that are going to be dealing with something very similar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Chase is in college. Our girls are in high school and middle school. Like this is not something that they've never heard of. Right. And this will help them in some way, shape or form. It will. And it's just deciding once again, to not do the style of parenting where you're just like, you're safe. Everything's safe. Everything's perfect. You're fine. We're all fine. We're all perfect. It's like. I, I, I actually am going to disagree a little bit because I don't think sharing this information tells somebody that they're not safe. It just says, hey, here is the real world. It's like, I'm going to share this information with you and I'm going to keep you as safe as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't, and safe is just I know. bullshit anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's also Real. like, let's Real be honest, true. kids are really freaking smart. And yeah. they have they have probably picked up on something and they're probably worried about something. Yeah. And you, you know, sharing your so truth true. is gonna be at the end of the day reassuring to them because it's something that you're so not scared of ruining you or your family that you're sharing it with them. Mm-hmm. That is I by definition disarming of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what I mean by trusting the truth too. It's like in so many of our relationships and our families, we have these situations that we think if we don't speak them, they're not affecting everyone. And then our children feel it because they are energetic human beings and they feel something in the air and then they, nobody is acknowledging it with words. And so they feel like they stop trusting their own instincts. They feel yes. 
like, oh, I guess I'm just strong. I guess there's something wrong with me. And so yeah. I'm the only one feeling this. I'm the only one yeah. feeling this. I'm too sensitive. Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. And so putting words to what is really going on is a way of of comforting it's good. everyone. It's like, no, 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 what everyone is feeling is real and here's what it is and it's not you and it's it's what we all probably needed. Yeah, and God kids. forbid, I, I mean, I don't think this is truth, but true, but God forbid they, somebody heard. Or knows. Or yeah, knows, yeah, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, and it's like they're harboring that. So family secrets, man. Yeah. No it's, good. It's real. It's a, it's a doozy and you are fucking amazing. I just want to keep knowing you and I want to know all of this. This is, this is going to make our family better. It will. I know it. And I just thought of that, like the, the reason why it's so going to be stronger and better for your family is the same reason why I think you feel so confident sharing it with the world right now, which is that you are so confident that this isn't shaking fundamentally anything you are or anything like for your family, for example, your perfection is not what makes your family strong. It's Mm -hmm. your willingness to lean in to uncomfortable things, to hard things that are the things that make your family as close to perfect as you can make it. And the same is true for you and the entirety of your work. You know, I think it will be evidence of who you have always been and the kind, exactly the kind of family you're trying to make by being honest about what you're going through. Hmm. That's right. Bam. To all of you listening, we love you so much. I hope that this is proof of how much we love you <laughs> and trust you. And um, just, you know, this is a time where it's probably a good idea to check in with all of ourselves, just our strong friends and our um, steady people in our lives. It's just a time when um, the destabilization of the world can make us all feel a little lost and untethered and um, helping tether each other down is probably a good thing to do this week. And telling somebody the truth of how we're doing is probably a good thing (laughs) this week. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a hard thing to show ourselves to somebody, but we can do hard things. I'm going to speak for the pod squad here. Thank you. Oh, babe. I love you. I love you too. I love you, sissy. I love you, sissy. I love you. Sister, I love you. I'll see you back here next week. Bye. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine.